armor of God. Let's jump into it this week. I want to encourage you, if you missed any weeks, make sure you go together. Uh, this is a series, this is a truth that, you know, God wants you to know about each piece. Wouldn't it be so weird if you were like, yeah, I watched that movie. You know, there's about 30 minutes of the movie that I just haven't gone back and watched that. You'd be like, oh, you don't have the whole story. You're missing a whole piece. And uh, that's what it is with this series. As we go through each piece, make sure you're staying connected and get the totality of it. I was watching some football over the weekend. And, you know, as these sermons are on my mind, I'm all languages uh, because I know I'm going to be prepared to speak about this. And it's funny how much of our ad or how much of our lives or how much is being told to us to pay attention to what you protect. You know, you got the all-state commercials, you got all the insurance commercials. Make sure you protect what you love, home, car, auto, and that stuff's important. But then you also, you know, make sure you're protecting your credit. You know, armor up against defense and defend yourself with your credit. And uh, I even, you know, was seeing a deodorant commercial that's like, this deodorant has odor defense. You know, make sure, and you should protect yourself. You know, some of you at home, you know, you haven't gotten ready for the day, make sure you defend yourself. Uh, but odor defense. And then, you know, I was noticing even the shampoo commercial was like, this shampoo helps you guard against, you know, and I'm like, geez, like we're, we're really into defending things, you know, uh, makeup. One of them was makeup, like, oh, it gives you defense against all the crying you're going to do or whatever, you know, like all this defense and is built in, but how much more so in our spiritual lives, in our kingdom journey, should we be making sure that we're prepared and we're armored up and we're ready to stand in this hour? Can I get an Amen. So it's important for us to know. And so I thank God that God, you know, gave us these in Ephesians 6. He gave us these instructions about how to stand guard. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. We've been looking at this text every single week. It says this, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. We all have our own stand to take. I can't take a stand for you. A church can't take a stand for you. You know, I believe in intercession and we can all do our part. But the scripture teaches us we got our own stand to take. Can I get an amen? It says, for your struggle is not, so take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, it's against authorities, it's against powers of this dark world, and it's against spiritual forces of the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that... Uh, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. People tell me all the time, again, it's saying your ground. You got to fight to fight here. People tell me all the time, oh, pastor, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a fighter. I'm kind of a come what may, you know, I'm never going to make a scene, but God's called you to be in a fight and you got to learn how to stand. So you may be the, oh, I just roll with the punch. No, no, no. You got to be a person who's ready to be on guard and fight your fight. So when the day of evil comes, be ready to stand your ground. Then it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So we're going to be talking today about that shield of faith. What is so interesting about this that I thought about this week is we know that we've gotten this passage from Paul. He's in jail and he's maybe even looking out at a Roman guard who would have been wearing all of these pieces of armor and through the inspiration of God by the Holy Spirit, he's writing us this and he may be looking and noticing the different pieces, but here's what I thought was interesting. Here we are over 2,000 years later evaluating the things that he wrote, evaluating the things that he said. One of the maybe large pieces of his ministry came from a jail time. Think about this. He did a whole bunch of things for God and he had a whole big level of ministry. But here we are 2000 years later, evaluating a ministry piece that happened to him while he was in jail. So I wrote it down to you like this. Some of your darkest days might be your most meaningful days. 
He's in jail, not knowing what's going to happen to him. And he's writing what God is putting on his heart, probably not thinking these were the glory days. Probably not every, thinking everything's happy and clappy. I wrote it down like this. Sometimes our worst seasons of ministry might be our best days of ministry. Don't discount the season that you're in thinking, oh, because this isn't happy, clappy, God can't use it. God can use you at any time, all time to bring breakthrough. Are you with me? And so each week we've been looking at a different piece. It's the shield of faith. As you know, uh, I've wanted to bring an illustration to you each week. So we had the belt of truth, which was like a weightlifting belt. Uh, we had the breastplate of righteousness, which was like a bulletproof vest. And uh, last week, uh, of course, you know, we, we had um, fighting shoes, cage fighting shoes. And every single week when I looked to get an illustration, I was like, who has some of those things? And of course, as you've discovered, it's been Vanessa has had all those things. So this week I was like, hey, Vanessa, do you got a shield I can use? I mean, you need a shield for this thing. She's like, well, actually, it's at the blacksmith. It's being repaired. I used it the other day. So I don't have a shield with me at this time, but she assured me that next week she has a helmet of salvation that you guys can see, and uh, you'll, you'll be into it. But I did bring a picture of what this shield would look like. Uh, this shield here is interesting because uh, it's two and a half feet wide. So it's two and a half feet wide. It's about four feet tall, and it has curve. And what you would see is like a, a, one of these guards could hide behind it. It gave them enough to carry but it gave them enough to also hide behind. You can also see the arrows here, as the scripture described, uh, they could be extinguished on this shield. Uh, this shield would have been the first line of protection. So you had the belt of truth and it kept your core stable, all the different things we talked about. But this shield of faith would have been something that they could have charged out on. It would have been the first line of protection. So they can hold it out in front of them before it gets to the breastplate. And I thought about this, you know, it's a lot like uh, in our life when we have something that shields us. I've been watching baseball. It's the baseball playoffs. And if you've ever noticed anybody who's sitting in the front row behind home plate, uh, they're sitting there and they have the net in front of them. And so they'll be sitting there watching the game, eating a hot dog or whatever. And they're sitting there. And then occasionally the baseball player will hit a foul ball backwards. And so here comes the ball screaming toward them, and, and they forget for like a second that they have the net. So when the ball comes screaming at them, they all, they all jump out of the way, but the net catches the ball, and it doesn't actually hit them. When I would race dirt bikes, you would get behind another rider in front of you, and they would throw roost, which would be the dirt or even sometime the rock off of their rear tire in front of you, and it would really pepper you. It would just blast you as you were riding behind them. But I had goggles on, and because I was able to wear these goggles, as the dirt was coming, I would never fear that it would hit my eyes or hinder me because I realized I was shielded, are you with me, by these goggles. And that's what God's trying to get us to, to walk in and understand is, hey, I've got this thing called faith that you can walk out in that becomes a shield for you. It's this shield of faith that goes before you and it protects you in your walk with God. Are you with me? And so it's a shield that we carry. The shield is the first line of protection. Uh, it would have been made with plywood and glue. So they would have taken these layers of plywood and they would have pressed them together and they would have used glue. Uh, so between all this plywood and glue, its modern day value would have been about $20,000 because plywood's expensive, right? Uh, and so it, they also wrapped it in fabric. So it would have been wrapped in fabric. And then what's interesting is they would have soaked it in water before they went out on the battlefield. And the reason that they did that is because archaeologists have discovered that the arrows that would have been sent at them in battle would have had combustible tips. These tips that would have been able to be lit on fire and launched. 
not only to cause, of course, destruction to what it landed on, but, but to also bring heat and distraction and intensity. And that's what the enemy tries to do in our life. God's like, I knew there would be a time in your life where you would be going through life and you would feel like the flames of the enemy are just coming at you and coming at you. Therefore, I want to get you to understand the truth of take up a shield of faith. Shield yourself in faith. Can I get an amen today? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 tells us how to do this. It says this. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and it's assurance about what we do not see. It's confidence and assurance. Faith gives us confidence and assurance. I believe that we're living in an hour as Christians and in this world, but we have got to be a people who can find a way to live in confidence and assurance, not always following the trends and the schemes and the things of this world. We say, no, no, no. we're a people who can walk in confidence and assurance. How do we do that? We do that by being a people of faith. What does the scripture say? The scripture says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without being a people who understand what it is to walk out in faith, it's impossible to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. This word faith is used 240 times in Scripture, and it's this word pistes, which means this, acting in truth. For us to be a people who, who walk in or who, who act in faith, you're a person who's acting or moving out on what is truth. What is truth? Acting in truth to be a people moving out in faith is to be a people moving out in truth. I wrote it down like this. Faith is not feelings. Faith is not feelings. We do a bad job in modern church because we walk around and we say things like this. Man, I'm feeling full of faith. Are you full of faith? Oh, I'm feeling full of faith. Boy, I'm in a good spot right now. I'm feeling full of faith. Or we, we maybe leave church or we leave a worship experience and we say, man, that was so good. I just feel full. I feel filled. I feel like I'm ready to, and we base everything on how we feel. I wrote it down like this. I wrote it down like, if you feel your way into it, you'll feel your way out of it. Faith is not about feelings. Faith is about what the scripture just taught us. It's about people who know how to walk out and step out in what is true. Now, this is the truth. And therefore, I can walk no matter what it looks like. No, this is truth. Therefore, I can with confidence and assurance take this step because I know what I'm walking in is truth and I can move out even when I don't understand it. Amen. I have faith. I can walk out in this. If you feel your way into it, you'll feel your way out of it. I have so many people, Pastor, I just feel like God's calling me to do this. And they base everything on feeling and inspiration and emotion. And then six months later, oh, Pastor, I feel like God's now calling me to do this and do that. God's not that schizophrenic. Can I get an amen? He doesn't change his mind. Are you with me? I feel like we got into too many feelings and we missed the mark for us. We got to be a people who walk out in truth. That's why 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we live by faith, walking out truth. We live by faith and not by sight. It's not by what we see. It's not by what we can understand. It's not by what we can equate. It's by the truth that we know that we're able to live and walk and have our being. A.W. Tozer says this, any faith that must be supported by the evidence of the senses is not real faith. Any faith that must be supported by the evidence of our senses is not real faith. We have this thing in modern church where we say, hey, if you show it to me, then I'll believe it. God, give me a sign. We even pray prayers like this. Lord, make it clear to me. 
And it's good for us to pray prayers of eyes being open and having revelation. But if the only time we ever move out in what God has for us is when God makes it clear for us and we can understand it in our senses, then we're not being led by faith. Can I get an amen today? So you say you got the shield of faith that you can put up. You can move and you can walk in faith confidently because you're walking in truths. Feelings are circumstantial. I'm happy because this thing happened for me. Or now I'm sad because this thing happened to me. Or uh, if I get in this right relationship, then I'll be complete. We have all these circumstances for why we'll be happy or why we can be content or why we, and we're emotionally driven. But the reality is feelings are circumstantial and situational. Faith is a choice and it's a choice despite our emotions. Emotions are good. I'm not trying to be the church that gets up here and says, you can't ever have a bad day. Faith, brother, faith, brother. I went to a church one time, wouldn't even admit when somebody was sick. Come into work and I worked for this church. And I was like, hey, where's so-and-so? And they didn't say, oh, she's out with a sick day. They said, uh, she's home overcoming. And I was like, overcoming? Is there a battle? Should I get my gun? What are we doing? And so, and so I understand where we have the, you can't ever have a bad day. You can't be emotional. And, and churches have preached that. And I'm not trying to preach that today. But what I'm saying is we don't make our decisions based on our emotions. We make our decisions based on God's truths. Faith. Are you with me today? Uh, I love what Bill Johnson says. He says this, faith doesn't deny a problem's existence. It denies it a place of influence. We don't disregard negative things. We must not be consumed by them. Whatever we feed our attention on will increase in our life. So we got to make sure we're feeding on faith-filling things, things that build us up. Now, interesting what Paul does here. Now, this is why we got to read the Bible slowly. Check this out. When you're reading Ephesians 6, 6, Paul says, put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the gospel shoes of peace. Put on, put on, put on. But then when he gets to the shield of faith, he then says, take up. It's a change here in his verbiage. Now, the shield of faith is interesting because it would have been something you still put on. You still would have actually tied it around your arm, but you don't walk around with it blocking you the entire time. What he's trying to get us to understand that there are seasons for you to take it up and there are seasons for you to just hold it at your side. We've made a mistake in Christianity where we've created these cultures where all we want to do is hide behind church stuff. Christian this, Christian that, Christian this, Christian that. And all we want to do is just shield ourselves from the world. God's not calling you to do that. But he is calling you in seasons to be aware when you're under spiritual attack and there's fiery darts coming at you that that's then the season to take up. Are you with me? You got to be in tune to go, you know what? Something's feeling funny here. I shouldn't be feeling this way. I shouldn't be thinking this way. I shouldn't be acting this way. I shouldn't have those thoughts about this thing. You know what? I'm under attack here. I need to take up the shield of faith and change my posture. Are you with me? Take up. So he says, take up, which means as needed. He says about all the other things, make sure you put on, make sure you keep on your shoes, make sure you put on this and put on that, which means this, you're not called to just put it on on Monday and take it off, or put it on on Sunday and take it off on Monday. You're called to keep these things on, but there's a season to take up your, your shield of faith. Three points for you, and we'll be out of here. Write these down, three points. The first one is this, faith must be received. Being a person of faith doesn't come natural. It's not your automatic. Your automatic, your default is doubting. Your default is to be a doubt. That's why the word supernatural is supernatural because for something supernatural to happen means it has to be bigger than our natural. 
It has to be more than we can even comprehend or understand or work out by our own hand. So your default is to be a doubter. And so for us to be filled with faith or people who take up a shield of faith, you've got to learn how to fill yourself and receive faith. Thank God the scripture tells us how to do it in Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. How do you get full of faith? How do you get prepared to be a faith person who can take up a shield of faith? You put yourself in environments where you can hear God's word, where you can hear God's truth, where you can hear God's uh, wisdom over your life. I wrote it down like this. Every time you're in an environment where you're hearing the word of God, you're making a faith deposit. That's why you need to be careful what you're listening to. Well, pastor, I just have so much doubt. I'm just so discouraged. I just, I'm having such a hard time. Well, what are you feeding? Are you filling yourself up? Are you hearing God's word? Are you filling yourself with faith? Are you looking at the negativity? I wrote it down like this. When I hear truth, I grow faith. When you hear truth, you grow faith. When you hear deception, you grow doubt. When you hear deception, you grow doubt. They say that the average person, American, spends over 50 hours a week in front of a screen. So whether that be TV or social media or whatever you're looking at, over 50 hours a week, you'll spend in front of a screen getting influenced, getting filled. Now think about this. The average American church service is one hour long. So if you're getting over 50 hours a week from a screen, influence from a screen, that means in one week you can erase an entire year's worth of what you get at church. And that's if you come 50 times a year, which, by the way, <laughs> statistics would tell you. They say the average American checks social media 17 times a day. Once every hour or more, the average American takes a peek at social media. And can I tell you something? Social media probably doesn't fill you with faith, does it? Could you imagine if the average American actually once an hour spent some time praying 17 times a day, took a little break to pray for some things? I think we'd be in better shape. Are you with me? But here's what I want you to understand. Whatever is being said over your life, whatever you're letting speak into your life, it makes a deposit. It's either making a doubt deposit or a negativity deposit or a discouraging deposit. Or if you can come and get around God's word and get built up with his faith, it'll make a difference. That's why I think you need to be at church as a pastor. Of course, I'm going to tell you, be at church, be at church. But this is why we got to get to church. Why? Because we hear God's word and we get filled with faith. You can take up that shield of faith. Uh, I thought about this with our kids. It's important to be here. You got to get your kids up in kids ministry so they can get that deposit of God's word and hear God's word and grow their faith. You say, well, pastor, I don't know if it's making a difference. You know, you, you, you wake them up and you drag them in the car and you get them here and you get them checked in and you're barely here. You're like, I don't, and then you ask them on the way home, how is church? Good. Well, what did you do? Colored. And then you feel like, oh, are we even making a difference? What are we doing? Is this even, was it even worth it this morning? And I can tell you, in our kids' ministry, we have a solid program. I'm the pastor, right? And I work very closely with our children's team. And they have incredible things going on. But I ask my own kids, how was church today? It was good. What did you do? Sang a song. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, as you pay attention, you know that they've heard the word. And the word is being deposited in them. And faith is growing on the inside of them. And you can't discount. You can't hold back. you got to keep them hearing the word, right? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they blow your mind. You're just going about your day. And all of a sudden, they got something to say. Faith-filled. The faith just comes out of them. And it's a little stuff, right? Like, I, I wrestle with my son. And 
he's six and I'm beating him up. And I remember last year I'm beating him up and I'm wrestling him on the ground and, and I pretend to be dead. My little three-year-old jumps off the couch and she comes down to me. She puts her hands on me. She says, be healed in Jesus' name. And I got back up and I hit Charlie with a power bomb and I won. But what, what, what happened? It was a faith deposit. And she was hearing. She was understanding. So don't discount the consistency. Are you with me? You got to stay in it. And the Isaiah gives you this promise. Isaiah 55, 11 says, so, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. When God's word goes out, it doesn't return empty. But it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which it was sent. Every faith deposit makes a difference. we got to make sure we're a people who hear God's word. We take up the shield of faith by, by receiving faith, by hearing God's word. Point number two is this, our faith must grow. We got, we, it's not enough just to hear, but we got to allow this faith to grow in our life. We come to church and we say, oh man, that worship was good. I feel, I feel good. I feel good about that. Oh, that, that sermon was good. I, I feel good. I feel full about that. If we don't do anything with it, it does no good. James 2.17 says this, in the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So we got to receive it. But then we also have to cause our faith. We have to grow our faith. Uh, I wrote it down like this. Faith is a muscle that either develops or declines. Our faith, what we've been given, what's deposited, it's something that has to be developed or else it declines. Uh, I thought about it like this. We've all been given the same amount of faith. You've heard the same word. You have the same thing. You've been given this level of faith. It's like this arm. I have this arm. We've all been given this, and, and we all have the same opportunity with this. But if I put it in a sling and I never did anything with it, I never worked it, I never grew it, I never stretched it, I just let it sit in the sling, how many of you know it would, it would decline? It would decay. It would eventually become unusable. Why? Because I didn't do anything with it. It's the same thing with our faith. we got to put ourselves in situations where we're stretching and where we're, we're believing for more and we're letting God use us in ways that make us uncomfortable. Are you with me? I'm not just growing. Uh, we're not just hearing, but we're growing. Think about it. For you, it might mean serving. For the first time, you join a team. You're like, all right, I'm going to... I'm going to use my faith. I'm going to join the team. I'm going to be someone who serves. Or I'm going to come to Saturday morning prayer. Or I'm going to come to one of the Bible studies. Or I'm going to give. I'm going to faithfully commit in my resources. I'm going to stretch my faith in these ways. Why? Because God's calling us to grow our faith. Uh, I've told you before that I used to do CrossFit. Uh, Eli and Natalie, who come to this church, they own CrossFit Holland. It's just a great community of people into fitness. And I used to go there. And uh, one of the things that they do at CrossFit is when you first learn all of the routines and the different exercises, they will have you get out your phone and set your PRs, your personal records. They say, hey, keep track of where you started. These are the first amount of weights you could do. And uh, this is what you could do at first. This, And then after that, so about once a month at the gym, when you get there, we'll say, okay, today's PR day. And you're going to try to beat what you did before. And then you're going to write your name on the board. And everybody's going to come in and see your PR it used to be this. And now it's this. Why? Because same thing with the muscle. You want to continue to grow. You shouldn't be doing what you did 10 years ago. You should be able to grow and be able to do more. Same thing in the kingdom of God. The things that you used to do five years ago that were a stretch, you should be able to do more with more confidence. Are you with me? Remember the first time God called you to go pray for somebody? Your knees are shaking. You're so like, oh my gosh, he wants me to go pray for something. The first time you ever served in church, like, oh, I can't believe I'm going to go to church and I'm going to serve. But over time, as you continue to let God grow your faith, he allowed you to do more and do more. Are you with me? God grows us. Our faith is need to be one that's growing where the scripture says it's dead. 
This is a little bit controversial, but I can back it up with scripture. But I thought about it like this. The enemy makes a huge mistake in our lives. I believe that the enemy doesn't understand that sometimes in our lives, our enemy is actually our best trainer. I wrote it down like this. He's putting you through stuff, but he doesn't realize how strong he's making you. Think about that. Oh, this season. Oh, I can't believe I have to walk through this. Oh, I can't believe the enemy is putting my family through this. But he doesn't understand that you're growing that muscle, that you're getting stronger, that you're trusting God, that you're taking up that shield of faith. That you're, Are you with me today? You're just allowing these seasons to grow you and make you better because God what wants to see us grow in faith. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 3 says, We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so. Because your faith is growing more and more. And the love that all of you have for one another is increasing. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions, trials that you are enduring. What's he saying? Man, we're so proud of you. You're doing it right. You're staying after it. Your faith is growing despite your persecutions. You're continuing to let God grow your faith. Can I get an amen today? I wrote it down like this. Faith is not to break you, it's to build you. God using faith, God using and requiring us to step out in faith is not to break you, it's to build you. That's why here you'll, you'll hear uncomfortable things. You'll hear me talk about things that make you uncomfortable and that push us and convict us because I believe that God does call us to be pushed and convicted. I wrote it down like this. Pastors who play it safe in the pulpit develop Christians that are scared to live in the world. Pastors are sheltering their sheep, and now they're afraid of everything. Christians are like that little kid who's been sheltered from everything. And then they get put out in the real world, and they're these weirdos, and they don't know how to do anything because they've been so sheltered. And if every pastor pulls every punch and makes everything comfortable and completely shelters everybody, and then when we're called to go stand firm in the world, we don't know how to do it. Are you with me? Because what? Faith. We're called to stretch. We're called to be pressed. We're called to be pushed. That's where we grow. Amen? And then point number three will be our last point is this. Faith must be activated. We must activate our faith. So we, we have to receive it. And then we have to see it grow, but then we have to activate it. How do we activate it? The scripture says that life and death is in the power of our tongue. We speak into existence the things that we're believing for. Uh, you see Jesus in scripture as he's being tested, as he's under trial, as he's in this wilderness and he's in this spiritual warfare. What does the scripture say that he does back to the enemy? He speaks back to them as it is written. He uses God's word. He speaks God's word to activate his faith. Second Corinthians 4.13 says this, It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. I believed, I had faith, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore we speak. We speak God's word over our life. We speak, we use God's scripture to build and to encourage and to raise up our shield of faith. Well, how does that work, Pastor? Well, it works like this. When your kids are acting crazy and you feel like, oh my gosh, they're going to be lost to culture. Oh, these teenagers, I can't believe that they're going to go astray. I tried to raise them the best that I could. And instead of being a doubter and complaining and speaking negativity over what you see, instead you remind yourself like Joshua did. You set a standard with your words over your home. As for me in this house, we will serve the Lord. And we speak it. We claim it. We also believe the scripture that says, oh, no, no, hold on. I got a promise from God. My kids aren't going to go crazy because my word says that if you train up a child in the way that they should go when they're old, they won't depart from it. Can I get an amen? So you raise up that shield of faith. You activate it with God's word. 
the beautiful thing about the scripture is it says when they get old. Old can be 21, can be 40, can be 50. Old is pretty big sphere there. So I don't care what age your kids are at. Make sure you continue to claim that scripture over your life. Amen? Amen. My life is falling apart, Pastor. I don't think it's going to be able to come together. Well, hold on. Your scripture gives you the ability to raise the shield of faith that says we are confident of the one who began a good work is faithful and just to finish it. Are you with me? Oh, but I got this doctor report. You don't understand. The doctors say it's incurable. The doctors say this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Yeah, but you can raise the shield of faith and you can activate your faith with the scripture that says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed. You raise up that standard of faith. You believe that the psalm says that he sent out his word and his word healed them. We raise up our shield of faith by speaking and activating God's word. No, no, pastor, you don't understand the stress, the anxiety, the pressure that I face. Yeah, well, God's word is a standard that you can raise up in faith that says he will keep you in perfect peace, all who trust in you and whose thoughts are fixed on you. Well, pastor, I'll never get over this addiction. I'm never going to be able to. I can't walk in faith when it comes to this temptation. Well, Corinthians 10.13 says that no temptation has overtaken you, but what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way of escape or a way, one translation says, for you to endure it. God has always given you a standard and a shield of faith that you, faith that you can raise. Well, pastor, this world is crazy. It is. I haven't noticed. I feel like things are good. <laughs> I feel like we're all getting along and things are fine. Oh, no, no, the world's crazy, pastor. Things are, what's going to happen? Well, don't worry about it because God's word and you can raise the standard of faith that says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. Thanks be to God that he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus. Can I get an amen today? Raise up that shield of faith activated by what you're speaking. I'll close with this if somebody wants to come to the keys. There's this formation that the soldiers would have taken with these shields. It's called the tortoise. Uh, you may have seen some battle movies if you've watched some of those. But what they would do is they would take their shields and they would come together this way. They would gather up. They would say they would call a, a unity sort of movement and they would all come together and they would put some would put shields on the top and some would hold them in front of them. But then what would happen here is they were instructed to focus, to set their minds and set their eyes on the shields. Don't peek and try to see the arrows that are coming. Don't, don't peek and try to see who's coming. You've been given this instruction to set your eyes on the shield of faith, this thing that's shielding you. And so many times we get in these situations where life's crazy and the arrows are flying at us and all this stuff is happening and you want to spend so much time looking at the arrow. Oh, no, you don't understand. I got this arrow coming and that arrow's coming. And, that and God is saying, no, 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 raise up, take up that shield of faith. And we can extinguish those fiery darts if you lift up that shield of faith. 